What's up, family? Don't worry about it. Hang on. Cold open going on today. We're going to get you to the intro. But first, wanted to let you know, this is a very special podcast. I did it by myself. Love for you to listen to it. And if you don't have time to listen to the entire pod, that's cool. You can fast forward to the last two minutes and get the very special announcement about what's happening next uh, with Urgan Jerk Pod. So, if you're ready to get into this very special episode, let's rock. It's just different. Well, well, well. Look who just popped up in your podcast feed. How y'all doing? Ladies and gentlemen, for those who have forgotten, this is the Irk and Jerk podcast. Minus the jerk. My man, Vinny B, who is somewhere off in Arlington, Texas with another set of headphones on. uh, No doubt playing Call of Duty. My man, we appreciate you. And it's cool. I wanted him to sit this one out. Um for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, first of all, we all deserve a vacation. Uh, you dig? And this is going to be a uh, very special podcast, so to speak. Um, y'all remember that episode of uh, Different Strokes um, where Arnold and them got touched by my man? That, that, different, that was a different type of uh, special episode. We ain't going to have no uh, announcements like that. <laughs> I promise you, I promise you, we won't we won't get down like that. Boy, I have been teasing this particular type of episode uh, for some time now, um, because you guys are you guys are family. Let's let's be honest. I appreciate you. You know we we uh, we lovingly call you guys the uh, uh, faithful twelve, and regardless of the number of how many it is, because we've never we stopped counting at some point. Uh, we just we just appreciate you. And if you listen to this right now, um, this is gonna have a different vibe. You know we always joke about. Um, you know I kind of bring the consciousness and. Vinny brings Vinny brings the yucks and the jokes and, uh, you know, a little bit of the silliness. And we need both. It's like a, a good mix. And it's what makes us it's what makes us best friends. And I think it's what's made us um, a good podcast so far. So with that being said, we're still going to uh, do some of the things that uh, we normally do, which is, hey, man, how y'all been? Hope y'all week was good. Merry Christmas. Uh, a joyous Hanukkah and a joyous Kwanzaa uh, to those who celebrate all of those, all of our uh, all of our friends of uh, different races and uh, religions and things like that. Um, it's been you know the last I had to check the last time that we that we linked up was September and um, man, it's just it's it's, it's been so much. That's going on. I don't even think I can re- I can recount. I probably have to sit down and really go over, you know, just some of the silly things that have happened. But because that's not what this podcast is about, I'm not going to go back that far. Um, but what I will say is that uh, I did enjoy uh, my Christmas and shit, I'm 42. Uh, Christmas is at this point in time, uh, especially when you have a child. I know. 
a lot of a lot of people who listen have kids ranging from two to twenty two at this point in time. So you already know that Christmas is about the kids and my baby Zoe, she's three years old, and she got four hundred and seventy two gifts. She got so many gifts. I don't think she made it through all of them. I know at least one of them. Uh, we was we were straight slick with it and said, "Oh, she didn't open this one." <laughs> Put that boy right in the closet. Oh, look at this! Happy birthday, Zoe! <laughs> she ain't gonna remember none of this. No way. She's three. How many of y'all remember y'all Christmases? Be honest. I don't even remember Christmas until I was I was legit. <sighs> Six years old, maybe. I only have memories until I was four, so she'll be all right. Even though I'm one of the few, I'm one of the people who have said for a while that um, kids will have a better memory of their memories than we had because they're digital. Like a lot of the stuff is just word of mouth in a picture. If your parents were as a you know, good with keeping pictures. And shout out to my mama because um, she has all of her pictures uh, documented in chronological order since 1979. And shoot, she even put them in the wheel. So I'll be able to go back and see certain things and kind of halfway remember them. But shoot, for Zoe, anything that we have a memory of, we're going to be like, remember when such such happened? Nah, daddy, I don't remember that. Okay, cool. Hold on one second. To the cloud. And then you're going to see her doing her thing. I think that'll be kind of a cool thing as uh, the generations um, have gone on. So with that being said, uh, that was my week. I am looking forward uh, to New Year's. Um, Not going to do anything special. Uh, It's hard to get out and do things, um, you know, without a lot of family and infrastructure around. That's why, you know, I made no bones about it at some point in time. Uh, and we'll talk about that later too. Uh, the family and I are, uh, planning on moving, moving to Texas, uh, cause I'm just trying to build my village. That's all. Um, I have one, I have a cousin who lives here right now and she works, damn near six days a week, 12 hours a day. So it's hard to see her and it's just hard outside of paying for babysitting. Even though uh, one of my homegirls, Candace always comes through and uh, babysits uh, Zoe. So shout out to her. Um, Cause I know she's listened to the pod a couple of times too. Um, shout out to her for uh, helping us out when we can. So we can, so we can uh, slip a body here. Okay. So, um, Oh, and, uh, Adrian, my baby's uh, birthday is is on January 2nd. Uh, side note, man, if you ever have a loved one or your significant other who's got a birthday on January 2nd, unless you plan ahead like I do all the time, wink, wink, it's tough as hell to get things done for a birthday party. Everybody's just you just get snow piled by Christmas. Everybody trying to run out the back door and end up and finish out the week strong. So if you didn't get no if you didn't get your gift game together or your gift plan together, you hurting because ain't, ain't no day before shopping. Nah, it's a wrap. You 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 in trouble. 
I'm just saying I talked to a friend who that may have happened at one point in time, you know, but, you know, smart guy who plans ahead like myself, you know, things like that. They, they just they don't they don't happen. Um, so that being said, uh, to the point of why one of the reasons and I will, like I said, I'll take about 96, 7 percent of the reasons why uh, Vinny and I can't always link up is because of my health all right and a lot of you have heard that at many times during the pod that i've spoken about my health journey and where i've been and i've always teased about talking about oh one day i'm gonna make a pod and we're gonna talk about it in greater detail so you guys can know exactly what i'm going through so for the record so that's this episode in case you haven't figured it out that that's today so to clear it up, because there are some people who go, well, what exactly is going on with with you? So for the longest part of the pod, I've been in stage five right now, started in stage four kidney failure. Right. And technically, I started in stage four before the pod ever started. Um, so for those of you who have known me my whole life, um, I've been a diabetic uh, since I've been shoot 20 years old give or take um now the reasons why i'm a diabetic um i couldn't tell you it's not in my family history um there i have a conspiracy theory and i <laughs> i will share it with you in my end when i was a kid in like sixth grade i was diagnosed with adhd and i read an article recently that said that kids in the 90s, and I think it said specifically African-American kids in the 90s who were uh, uh, took Ritalin, which is a medicine that you take to uh, settle you down with ADHD. Uh, those kids um, were more predisposed to being pre-diabetic and into diabetes, which would kind of explain why somebody, a 20 year old, even though I wasn't the most healthy person, I was a big guy, probably about shoot 320 something plus pounds at the time so i wasn't a little dude so we're not gonna say i didn't you know i did everything right or ate the right way but i knew dudes that were ate just as bad as me uh and and bigger than me and nothing you know they're completely fine never never took a a, a drip drop of medicine and shout out to us being uh, when I say us, I mean like the 80s, the 80s babies and the early 90s babies being like the health guinea pig generation, which really kind of sucks. And what I what I mean by that is, is that what we know now about in the technology behind it, what we know now and the technology we have to understand and prevent diabetes is completely different than what we had uh, in the late 90s, in the early 2000s. Um, it's just amazing. Remember, we, we used to be uh, health used to be as simple as as far as the explanation to get healthier. What they tell you, they told you, oh, don't eat as much and go work out. You know, that's it. And now we understand there's so many different elements that lead to why you're susceptible to gaining weight. And there are so many different technologies that you can use to combat that if you choose to like now, you know, like you may have known that, you know, eating five Big Macs a week is terrible. No, I'm not saying that I did it. I'm just saying something like that. Now, you know why now, you know, what calories and fat and sugar 
and what they do to your body and how they affect you long term. Right. Well, I'm the effects of what happens with that long term, whether the reasons are why or why not. And I don't like I said, I don't have them locked down. But if you look on uh, you look on any medical sheet that, you know, that has to deal with me, it'll say, oh, diabetes. So fine. We all got to have something just like when we die. The death certificate has to say something, no matter what it is, you know. Uh, we got a start date and we got an end date. It's what we do between, you know, uh, those two, those two dots. So that being said, in uh, March of 2019, which was uh, a couple, I was actually probably what, 20, 15 days after my divorce was finalized. I know a lot of you know that I was married uh, for 10 years and, you know, I was divorced and I had made the decision to move on with my life. And then this kind of just smacked me right in the head uh, at a very, like I said, at a very interesting time when my life was trying to shift. Uh, So with that being said, I immediately went to do some things to try to combat it or slow it down because the doctor at the time told me, out of the blue, I was in stage four kidney failure. I just got a call because I did a blood test, as I always did for, di- for uh, you know, what diabetics do. And they said, uh, Mr. Urquhart, you're in stage four kidney failure. I said, no, you got that wrong. I said, that can't be right. And they said, yeah, you're probably right. Um, you know, but we need to do a blood test just to make an extra uh, test just to make sure. And I did it. And they said, yes, you have two years until you're on dialysis and I did not know what to do. And I'm not even sure how I handled it or how I processed it in that moment, but it was definitely tough. I knew life was going to change, but I never could quite (laughs) grasp how it would change uh, for me moving forward. I can tell you what I, what I tried to do, which is immediately try to lose some weight. I uh, end up getting uh, gastric sleeve surgery, which is different from the gastric bypass. Please don't ask me how. I think it's just something. Maybe they use a different needle. <laughs> I don't know. But I said, get my fat ass in there. Get me to lose some weight so I can fight this thing off. And I did what I could at the time, but almost true to form, uh, two years within reason. Uh, I think almost two years I started on dialysis. Now, there are two types of dialysis. Uh, that you can have. And I opted for the home dialysis, which happens where obviously you're at home having it. And this was at an opportune time because I started feeling the effects a little more, a little bit right after, uh, probably like six, seven months after COVID hit. So I started on a form of dialysis called uh, PD or peritoneal dialysis which is where they stick a tube in your stomach and you stick that into a machine. And then you run this machine with this saline solution fluid that uh, cleans you and your blood overnight um, for eight and a half hours, nine hours, essentially supposed to be while you sleep. And it's supposed to be lighter on the body is what they say. And you can also manually do this without the machine throughout the day if you're not feeling right or if you feel like you have too much fluid on you or whatever. So I chose to do that out the gate 
And I'm glad I just recently bought a house because they, anybody who's going through this, you'll understand this. And this is kind of who this is through. This is so people can really understand. But this is also for people who I've talked to who've been on the cusp of what I'm going through right now, which is, uh, you know, pre-diabetes, diabetes, and they've been diabetics for a long time and they don't know what's coming next. And so I say, if you don't take care of yourself, you know, this is what's coming next. So, uh, the, you know, I had to have a house cause they give you so much of this fluid and equipment that they literally, a, a, a truck comes with a giant pallet and drops it into your driveway. I couldn't even have two cars in the drive in my garage. That's how many things they give you. It just became a, a big cumbersome situation and, uh, you can travel with it, but you have to travel with all of that, uh, liquid and the machinery. So I had to, I went to Detroit once, had to get a truck, uh, um, uh, you know, SUV just to get everything in there. And it's, it's just, it, it became a lot. And the hardest part of all of this was the fact that it's seven days a week. And I know you heard me say it, but seven days a week, there's no getting around it. There's no, oh, I don't feel like, you know, I'm kind of tired and I'll do it later or no, that's not going to happen because once you start this road and you don't continue it, you can make yourself sick and you don't want to do that. So I was doing this for uh, some months and at some point in time, I realized that I wasn't feeling well and I was getting sicker and I didn't really know what that meant. Like I wasn't throwing up or anything, but it's just I had more aches and pains and my body was was slow and I just had it build up a fluid and it was just really bad. And I had a house with three levels, it was three floors. And it was to the point where I was sliding up and down the steps. Like I wasn't really walking up and down the steps. So my quality of life had really dropped considerably. And I just didn't realize how bad it was. And at that point in time, you know, and that based on different numbers and checks and balances with your dialysis that they do, they decided we had all determined that this wasn't effective. It wasn't cleaning my blood properly and I wasn't feeling right. So we had to switch to the more, uh, which is what's called harder on the body in the more traditional version, which a lot of people know of, which is called hemodialysis, which is where they take the needles and they go straight through your bloodstream and clean your blood out. But you go to an actual center and you sit and they connect to your body, uh, whether it be through a catheter, which is where I had to start. Uh, they put a catheter, surgically implant a catheter in my chest near my heart and it takes the blood and it cleans it out of your system. And that's what most people know. You drive to a center and they do that. Um, so I went to the hospital, got switched up, changed that. And at the same time, uh, we made the decision uh, based on I didn't the fact that I didn't want to leave my doctor in my hospital. And uh, just getting up and down the steps and the quality of life, we had to get rid of the house. Uh, to get to an apartment that had some flat land that wasn't as hard on me. So we had to pick up and uh, move back to the city 
which is something I wasn't at the time. I wasn't a fan of because I was really enjoying, you know, the suburb life. But, you know, driving 50 minutes, 20, yeah, about 50 minutes to dialysis at five in the morning wasn't wasn't going to be the move long term. So um, we did that and things were going well for a while. But I was having uh, starting to have issues uh, that I hadn't known because. What we know about the kidneys is, oh, they filter your, your, you know, they filter your urine. And what they don't tell you is that it also doesn't filter other things that go in your body. Now, if you know me, you know, I was a smoker for, man, since my mid, you know, my early thirties, I've been a, a smoker of the, of the marijuana, of course, not the, not, not the squares, the marijuana. So I've been a smoker. I was a gummy taker. I was a, uh, a cookie eater, uh, edible eater, I, whatever it was, I would, I would be on it. And starting dialysis was rough. So to combat that, I would, you know, take a lot of, you know, uh, edibles, whether they be CBD, marijuana, you know, and then I would smoke. And after a while, I think I was doing so much of it that my body couldn't catch up to it and it wasn't filtering it properly. And so it was having the reverse effect on me, which gave me insomnia. So that means I was not sleeping for long periods of time. And I mean, two, three days, uh, which is the hard, it's the number one hardest thing, uh, probably, uh, in kidney failure is being an insomnia, uh, what I didn't know about insomnia, true insomnia, is that it's not that you don't get a lot of sleep because people go, oh, I got insomnia. I'm like, well, how long did you sleep? Oh, maybe 20, 30 minutes. I didn't sleep at all, which means my brain didn't shut down. Like when you sleep, you go into some form of REM sleep, even if it's for like an, a half an hour. You do something. My brain wasn't shutting down. And so I was walking around being sleepy and it not working. And it just, it just became, it became too much. So, um, I had to stop smoking altogether and just kind of clear out my body to get back to something that felt normal. And I was able to do that. So I'm glad I'm, I'm past that part, uh, of dealing with, um, insomnia, you know, as it pertains to being in kidney failure, because it sucked really, really bad. The second part I had to deal with is what's called a fistula, which is how they put the needles in your arm. Now they have to fuse veins. They have to give you a surgery that fuses veins to put together, and then it has to mature over time. Right. So I had to do that, but for whatever reason, these surgeries for me and a lot of people, they don't always take at the, the first pop. So I had one, two, three, four, five different surgeries before it got to where it needed to be to a maturity status. And it, it was just a long journey. So that's when the pod comes in because I would <laughs> have to not be on the pod at different times because I would have a surgery, then I'd have to rest and then I have to see if it worked and then it wouldn't work. It's just all bad because you had to get the chest catheter that I haven't told you about. I had to get put taken out of my chest because if you don't, what happens, which is what happened to me, you end up getting um, an infection. 
and an infection in the blood can really knock you on your ass. And I didn't know that until it happened to me, which the first time it was actually a benefit because it kind of knocked me on my ass and reset my system when it came to the insomnia. And that was what turned me was the big turn for the insomnia and got me kind of out of that zone that I was in with that. So, and I had happened to me a couple of times. So I had to get that chest catheter out to keep avoid from getting a, a, a worse infection than what I got. Cause I was lucky with the couple the two, the two that I ended up having. So that's what keep, that's part of what kept me from being able to stay consistently on the show uh, at, at different, at different times. Just trying to, just trying to get, just trying to get the arm to work. Yeah. Whew, my goodness. Nobody ever tells you um, how tough this is to, you know, this is on you as well as it was as well as your family. Cause it's just like, it's a mind, it's a mind game. So all of this is the mind game part is they tell you you're on, you're in kidney failure. Okay. We got that. You're on dialysis. We got that. Got to take your medicines. Stay on point. You got that. Dissolve of the transplant list. Okay. You got that. And so you have to do so many different workups, so many different times you get to get put down. You have to get testing. It's just, if I, if I, if I started telling you about every single test that we, I had to take while doing this, you know, we'd be, We'd be here forever. And I don't want to bore you. And I don't know if I'm boring you because it's like as, as I talk to you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to myself. So all of this is to get on the transplant list. OK, so I live in Chicago. The rule of the game is that you can only be on one transplant list per state. OK, so because of that, most people get listed in a city that's closest to you that you can get to the quickest. The quickest city that I can get to is Madison, Wisconsin, which if you know from Chicago to Milwaukee is 90 minutes and uh, the University of Wisconsin, Madison is probably like you know another 30 minutes from there. So it's like a 90 minute trip from, from here, from my driveway to the hospital driveway. Okay. So I had to get on that transplant list and then, uh, I also decided to list myself on the transplant list uh, at in Fort Worth, Texas, Medical City, uh, which is the closest hospital to where my parents live because there is a lengthy uh, recovery time after getting a new kidney put in. Side note, hopefully you'll never have to go through this. I thought when you get a kidney transplant, they're going to take your kidneys and then put the new ones in. Nope. They just find a new spot in your body and pop it in like a spare part to an engine. Always thought that was fascinating to me. They're like, you don't take the kidneys? Nope. We just pop another one in. And guess what? If you need another one in your life, which you may, pop another one in with that one. So you mess around, have four, kid- four different kidneys uh, just hanging out in your body. The body's amazing how, how stuff like that works. So, that's been the name of the game as long as, you know, we've been doing the pod. You know, I stumble. I have to get a surgery where my arm stops working and you have to go in and have to have to get put to sleep and they have to get it back working again. And it's just time after time, little things, which is like I said, why? Oh, 
took us long to do this pod. Why? Oh, Eric was in the hospital again. Now you now you kind of are getting the picture of why I've why that's been happening. Um and at this point in time, from November of 2020 to now, um, to give you a scope, I've probably been in the hospital for multiple reasons having to do with kidney failure. We're going on 27 times right now that I've had to have procedures where I've been sedated slash put to sleep. So there's always going something. There's always something going on. So that leads me to August of this year Uh, on the kidney transplant. um, Just waiting on my call, you know, waiting on my call. I actually got a false alarm call where they called me and they said, we think you have a kidney. And the woman gave me a workup. She started to give me a workup and she's like, Ooh, I'm sorry. No, I think, uh, you know, your blood antigens don't match up and I'm sorry I called you. And it just, it was, it was really horrible. Because my mother was was in the house at the time visiting and I told her this was it. And I said, you know, watch the baby. I said, I think I'm about to go run out to the hospital. It was all bad. But it just made me realize that I was closer to the end than I thought I was. You know, it's been a nice long odyssey since 2019. So we're going on four plus, you know, years of, you know, me waiting, you know, for a call. And I knew the first couple of years I wouldn't get one. Those were the toughest because you knew nothing was going to happen. But now I knew that the possibility was real. You know, they were taking my blood work every 30 days uh, for the whatever the their kidney process is. Uh, so August comes up. I do a two year where every two years supposed to do a workup. I go in, uh, do some testing. Uh, just some routine stuff. They want to make sure, you know, your everything is working with your heart, your body and things. So I'm getting my work up and, you know, it's the second time I've done this. I'm like, nothing's wrong with me or my heart and everything is always every test I've always gotten that they've given me. It's always come back. Great. Um, but this particular one, uh, it's called echocardiogram. Uh, the nurse said eh, something looks a little off. And she said, I think I know what it is, but I'm not sure. I'll let the doctor you know, you know, look at it. What is it? She said something about your heart rate isn't firing off right. I said, I don't know what that is, but okay. I went with it. And because I did another test and that one was perfectly fine. It's called stress test. And I mean, a couple of weeks later, they said, uh, we want you to come in and talk to this heart specialist. I was like, heart specialist. Okay. And I talked to the guy, old man, doesn't really say nothing. He says, I'm going to refer you to another doctor. And I said, what's going on? And he's just like, you just want to make sure you're all right. We want to get these, you know, tests done, make sure we got, you know, do what you got to do. So I go and see another cardiologist. I see this cardiologist. I go by myself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in. We're going to talk. They're probably going to tell me to take a pill, another one. And we see where we land, blah, blah, blah. I get in there and then the doctor starts explaining to me what an ejection fraction rate is. And she says, an ejection fraction rate means that your heart pumps at a certain rate to get blood from the left ventricle to the right ventricle. (laughs) Okay. And she said the normal heart rate, uh, ejection fraction rate is at 60%. That's for everybody. 
you know, across the board, healthy, healthy people. She said, but yours is pumping at 20%. And I said, okay. I said, so what does that mean? And she said, well, your heart's not pumping enough. And she said, you're going to have to start making some changes and we're going to have to give you uh, different medicines. We're going to have to work up some tests because she said, if you don't get your uh, ejection fraction rate up, you're going to need a heart transplant. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to react to that. I just, I think I was stunned. And then she said, let me correct myself. You're going to need a heart, heart and kidney transplant combo to live. And I, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I called Adrian, but I couldn't talk to her. I was in tears. I was, I didn't know what it's just, it flattened me. And I think it shook, it shook her to the core. It shook me to the core. Um, she told me to take some time to, you know, think with my family, uh, which is kind of what we did. Uh, I went into somewhat of a panic. So I'm sure you can, you can appreciate, uh, thought about my cousin CJ I know you guys have heard me talk about him who's going through his uh his second his second successful heart transplant surgery and he's in his 40s so I saw and he and I talked about a lot of the things that he had gone through and you know how tough it was on him and his wife and I got scared really scared because I didn't I didn't want that to be me and I still don't want it to be me and I didn't want to believe it was true um, but as always there is a light at the end of the tunnel and the good news was that there's a way out of it um, so there's medicines that you can take uh, lifestyle even though my lifestyle didn't contribute to this um, there's still things that you can help that you can do to help which included going on a low to no sodium uh, diet uh, losing weight and uh, let's go back to the dialysis treatment um, the, the the main form the main purpose of dialysis is to clean your blood that's it because you don't get rid of toxins out of your blood because it's not going through your urine what happens to most diabetics not all but most is that at some point in time you stop urinating. And I didn't notice it at first because I used to just, you know, take in my urine to get tested and it was a bucket. And then at some point in time, it wasn't a bucket. Then it was like a smaller bucket. Then it became a little capsule. And then at some point in time, I was like, wait, when was the last time I peed? Then I realized that the faucet was turned off and it becomes a situation where it's everything you drink, you retain you retain it in your body. And when it doesn't go in your body, it goes, it stays in your stomach. And dialysis can only take so much off at a time because your body will go into severe cramps. So you can't take off if you drink too much water, which is why they tell you to watch your fluid. If you don't, then you retain a lot of that fluid. And that's what I was doing. I was retaining more fluid than they could take off because I was drinking a lot of water and I didn't know why. But I knew that I was severely thirsty 
and I needed to drink water because as always, most people that happens, we drink, but we, we pee it out. I just couldn't pee mine out and I wasn't catching up to what dialysis could take off. So I was retaining it. And when you retain it, it stays in your lungs and it stays in your heart. And it wasn't explained to me that way. You know, I don't think it's anybody's particular fault, but I will take this time to tell you that whatever health issue that you're going through in your life and you're going to see a doctor, make sure you ask, ask questions because these doctors are only going to do so much. The best doctors that you could have in the world are only going to do so much. You are, you are a number, you are a score to them. And that's not to knock the medical system. It's just how it goes. Even with my doctor, who I love, the best doctor, the first thing he does is looks at my numbers because whatever those numbers say is what dictates what he says next to me. Oh, this is what's it. Oh, it says this happened. Oh, it says this. Oh, you need to just this. They still talk to you, but the numbers dictate. But you got to know what the numbers are. If you're pre-diabetic, what are your numbers? What is your creatinine level? Your creatinine level is the level that tells you what your kidneys are doing. What are they doing? When did you have them tested? Okay, what does this number say? Why? Ask the what's, ask the why. You have to be your own advocate for your health, period. Nobody else is going to look out for you. And if you're not in a doctor, congratulations, you're in a great spot. You still need to take care of your health. Okay? Go get your blood check. Find out what's going on. You working out? That's fine. Continue to do so. Okay? Nothing wrong with knowing what your numbers are, even if you don't take one stitch of pills. Knowing, be, being your own advocate for your health, that includes, that includes exercise and that includes eating right. That would be my, you know, my little uh, old man, grandpa advice, you know, to you with that. So what I end up having needed done was it's called a right heart catheterization where they look and they see just what is going on with your heart. So they did that. And what they saw is that my heart was drowning because of all the excess fluid that was on it. So I knew then immediate hospital stay at a hotel Northwestern. I've been there many times. I recommend almost everything on the menu because <laughs> I think I've had almost everything. So I had to go in, uh, go into the hospital, uh, a daily dialysis um, to get the fluid off daily dialysis, just taking it off, taking it off at, uh, you know, any given time. So uh, that was the first thing I needed to do. Um, limiting salt or a, a great deal of salt from my diet. And what I discovered from that, just that was that immediately pain in my knees and joints felt better, more energy. And most importantly, I wasn't retaining as much fluid as I was as before. Now, was I eating the best? No. Was I eating a lot? No. But Still, water retention is water retention. And when I would go in, I would be overloaded in the fluid. I was barely able to breathe. They'd have to put me on a breathing machine. It's awful. 
And that's just from drinking, no matter what it is. It's just fluid is fluid. So um, since then, in August, uh, exercising, cut down the sodium. And by that proxy, I haven't been drinking as much. The fluid is going down. And they asked me to lose some weight because at the time I was about 298 when I walked in, 290 if I was dry. Um, and she said, you're too big right now. Your BMI is too big for a, uh, heart transplant workup. So we can't even work you up for the transplant. So I needed to lose weight immediately. So since then, um, let's see here. If I was 298 in August right now, I'm 253, 254 right now. Um, so I will give myself a small hand clap because you got to be your own cheerleader too. Sometimes uh, that helps. That helps a whole lot being your own cheerleader because uh, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. So uh, I've done that. Taking care of the diet was exercising and in typical irk fashion, uh, I broke my toe <laughs> while I was exercising on the treadmill hairline fracture. So I'm walking around limping, you know, as Finney would probably say right now, of course you did, you know, that's just on par for what you, for what you do. Uh, so what I've been told is that, uh, along with some medications that I needed to take, I need to take to, um, January 9th is a big, important day for me. Um, that's when I go back in for my, uh, retesting for the echocardiogram. Now, what I've been told is that this has happened with other people before where they've been, uh, termed in heart failure, which is what this is termed as. Um, but, uh, once they got the fluid off and lost a little weight, but the fluid is the more important part, their ejection fraction rate goes back up to where it needs to go. And I think that's what I've done with my heart. So I'm going to hope against hope that that is the case. And I will be uh, termed as non heart failure, which I didn't mention that kicked me off of the heart transplant. I mean, the kidney transplant list on in all three cities. So even if I wanted to get a kidney or someone wanted to give me a kidney right now, they couldn't because nobody would operate because they don't think I would make it through the surgery, allegedly. So I'm hoping to get that rate back up. Uh, 40% is the number, is the uh, the magic number. If I can get it to 40%, then I can get back on the transplant list. And if uh, somebody wants to give me a kidney, uh, that would be great. Um, if someone, I guess I can uh, make this plea right now. Uh, if someone wants to give me a kidney, they still can. There's always time because I'm still, I'm still breathing. I'm still here. Uh, reach out, reach out to me. Irkworks, E-R-Q-W-O-R-K-S at gmail.com. And, uh, I will be happy to send you a link to get yourself worked up for a test to see if you can, uh, help a life, help a life in need, a need that, that be me. So I had no idea how long this pod was going to be when I started it. I didn't think it was going to be 
one of our 90 minute super episodes because it takes two people to run their miles that long. So I'm not going to do that to you. So where do we go from here? Uh, in a sense, in fact, that this may or may not be the it's either going to be the last or the second to last show of the Irk and Jerk podcast, as you know it. Um, oh, I should put a sound effect right there with the all. Uh, don't worry, I'll still we'll both still be here, but we both realize the need to uh, expand what we do and that we need some help. And that's just because we're we're both two young fathers with with jobs, <laughs> so we're always going to be busy. And then you, you know, leap on, you know, a guy in kidney and heart failure and the 572 tests that I have to do, you know, regarding that. Um, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. And then we need norm, our own normal time. You know, we need that, uh, you know, for our mental sanity. I will also say at this point, um, get therapy, get a therapist. It's always good to talk to someone, a professional. Um, I know a lot of you got jobs, which means you have benefits. Use them. Search through your your benefits. Uh, If you're in a union, talk to your union rep. I'm in a union. I am my union rep. So uh, I'm aware. So people ask me these questions. I need to be ready to uh, help them out. And I would tell you to reach out and do the same because you never know what your uh, benefits are, how you can, uh, you know, access them and use them properly. Like for me, I didn't know that uh, talk space is included in my insurance. I think they just get charged my copay uh, per session. So uh, and as you can probably guess, uh, dealing with this, you know, I need help. Uh, this podcast has always been a form of therapy, talking to you like this, um, getting proper feedback, uh, not proper, but just feedback of any type. It didn't need to be proper. Just it's it's wanted, whatever it is, good, bad, and different. It's needed um, because it, it helps. It just helps us both in ways that I never really knew. So, um I would tell you at this point in time, I appreciate you guys so much just for um, allowing us this venue to talk to you and, uh, you know, laugh, love, learn. I know that sounds like a cheesy uh, painting you got on the wall, but it's true. We get to do all those and talk a little shit at, at the same time, too. So it's therapy. It's therapy for us in a way. But I would also tell you to, you know seek professional help because I go through points in my life where it's really super low. You never know um, what's going on uh, in someone's life. And when they feel like they don't have options, I know I've mentioned it this in this pod at some point in time that, you know, I tried to, when I was a teenager, I tried to commit suicide. So, um, and therapy in ways I didn't realize at the time helped me understand why I was upset and, why I felt I didn't have options. So if that's you, um, talk to someone, you know, 
talk to a, I would, you know, I know everybody, it's easy to talk to a friend. And, you know, Vinny's my, uh, you know, one of my lean on friends that I talk to. Uh, but talk to a professional. Absolutely. Um, coming soon for the pod. Uh, I think I want to wait, but I think we've pretty much got it settled. I will wait to tell you who will be involved, but we're going to bring some people in to the Irk and Jerk universe, and we're going to expand it into a couple different shows. Um, and uh, I think the working title right now is Old Men Yelling at Clouds. Shout out to the Simpsons when Grandpa Simpson be shaking his fist in the air. He's just yelling at the clouds, old men yelling at clouds, because that's who we are. You just be mad at stupid shit. So um, we're going to continue to keep the same uh, Irk and Jerk Pod energy, and we're going to expand that. Um, but more info to come. I think I'll link back up with Vinny, and then we will chop it up about that. Um, so with that being said, um, I think I'll wrap it up for you guys. Get up out of here. Um Thank you. If you made it to the end of the spot for listening, I know, um, you know, it's a tough listen. Um, I probably should have told you at the beginning of the pod, you ain't trying to hear me ramble for the next 40 minutes. Uh, go to the end. Where we tell you we don't change it up, but we still here. Um, so that was the gist, <laughs> the gist of this pod. So, um, you know, as always, I tell you at the end, uh, we love and appreciate you. Uh, make sure you... <laughs> Rate, like, and subscribe to the Irk and Jerk Pod. Um, and that's it. You know, until we switch it up, uh, I, we will talk to you. So, as we say, Irk and Jerk Pod, we out. Irk and Jerk Podcast. Podcast.